Hello guys, welcome to a Sports Plus podcast. Apologise, it is the first one of 2019, just getting my house in, in order, all my ducks lined up, I think the Americans say, I don't know what that means, but very pleased to say that on the worst night of the winter so far, John Ryder has battled across from North London to West, uh, and John, I, I didn't realise, but I thought it was an epic effort, but you didn't realise it was snowing this this part of London when you uh, when you set off. <laughs> no, over, over the north side of London it was snowing, uh, it was clear, clear bit of rain, got over the, the bridge to West London and this heavy snow so yeah we got here eventually well mate it's uh it's good to see you. i should move a little bit closer because i'm on the uh the mobile phone recording on the uh, anchor app but how how are you how are things you had a good good 2018 it's fair to say and, and set yourself up with a win at the copper box in october yeah i should apologize really because this first pod would have been out a couple of weeks ago <laughs> had i not cancelled and had other commitments but um it's all right yeah. mate work comes first you know yeah i see i suppose we've got to keep the wolves at bay haven't we so um yeah no it's been great uh, Come off a, a good 2018 with two good wins yeah. that have put me right in line for a world title fight. Yeah, the fight with October was Andre Sorokin, which you kind of ended up working him out and, and, and stopping him. Um, so what what is happening and what's this time like? Because you know, we talk about life and, and people and I, sometimes I don't, my rotor doesn't come out that, that sort of soon ahead of time to get that uncertainty factor. How does it feel? Because you, you still don't know the, the date. How do you tick over? What approach are you, are you going through at the moment? Do you know what? It's been quite nice because I've been I've been pro eight years now and I've never had a summer off. And in two thousand eighteen, I got to have the summer off while my daughter was off school. So yeah, that was nice. And I got to get back into camp at the end of it for for the fight with Sorokin. And as it happened, no fights being planned. I, I got to have a bit of time off over Christmas to spend it with my daughter and the family. So it's worked out nice. But now I am I am really ready to get back into the camp and get a date and get working towards it. Yeah, I saw you in the, in Tenerife actually last time, which was just off the back of the the victory you had in the in the spring in in May at the the O2 Arena, and it was it was funny because you you know fortuitously for me we were talking about you going on a training run that whether I could come along, but it's actually my last day of the holiday, so I couldn't join you. But that was only a week or so after after a fight. How what is training like? Because obviously you got conditions. You actually introduced me to Dan Lawrence, who's a matchroom conditioner. Because you, you have to peak for a fight, right? So you, you, but you have to stay in gym, you have to stay fit. But what is it, like base fitness you do at the moment? How, how do you tick over and avoid, I guess, overtraining at this point? Well, um, I have to say, seeing you in Tenerife that time did stop me putting on too much weight. It, <laughs> the was, it was at the dinner buffet, which is I know. very good quality. So I, I see you then, I thought, well, I better calm down <laughs> on these portions. But um, no, we just, uh, Tony's been through it. He's had loads of fights. Tony Sims. Tony Sims, yeah. He's had loads of great fighters and... Um, work closely with him and Dan Lawrence. Um, it's just a tick-over process. We might do two or three days a week in the gym, yeah. a few little light runs at home, just just not overexerting ourselves, still having the crappy meal here and there, not, <laughs> not, not going... Is that psychological full. thing as much as anything, letting yourself have a, a decent meal just so that you don't get too too intense? Yeah, I think so, because I think when you're in camp, the food's quite basic and bland and boring. And it's, <laughs> it's, more, it's more fuel. and you seem, you seem to look at food as something you really need when you're in camp and yeah. not the enjoyment of it. So it's nice to be not 100% in camp and just enjoying a bit of food, especially with Christmas. And I did, I stayed away from like, the, the box of the celebrations. And races, <laughs> you know, they're always out and about. But no, I was, I, I was sensible to a point, but um, I, I, I did enjoy myself over Christmas. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, you put me in touch with Dan because I put a post up on Instagram saying I wanted to try and still fit into my suits and start doing weights for the first time in a while. He, he kind of put me straight and disappointed me a little bit because he said it was all about calories and calorie control and not, not putting on too much if you start start lifting weights, which I've had to have to accept in my in my 30s. Um, what, do you, what do you want next I mean, you, when you think about it? Because it was an opportunity, of the, what the WBA line was the, the, the fight against Sorokin. Since then, Rocky Fielding's lost to Canelo Alvarez. He's got a fight lined up against Jacobs. So... Where do you see yourself in the in the picture? Well, I don't know. Eddie Earn mentioned the other day in an interview that he would like to make me against David Lemieux for the undercard. And I mean, in this sport, I mean, the, the thought of fighting on a, a Las Vegas show, yeah. the likes of Canelo Alvarez, who's a, a pound for pound great, um, it's just exciting. And I hope and I pray that it comes off, and I can go down the Vegas strip and and fight for a potential world title if if he does vacate the WBA regular and me and Lemieux can get on. Yeah, how do you see Lemieux? Because it was uh, fearsome, wasn't he? Opponent by reputation before possibly fought, fought Golovkin and, and maybe the perception of him has, has changed a little bit since Billy Joe Saunders as, as well. How do you how do you see him? Yeah, I think um, take take Golovkin out of the equation because he's a, he's an absolute animal, really. <laughs> yeah. but, um, 
Billy Joe Saunders just showed you his vulnerabilities and how he can be outboxed and you haven't got to go around and absolutely pound him with power you can, you can beat him with a boxing brain mm. yeah that's the, the approach how, how do you does it, does it change a little bit because you turned 30 last year you said 8 years pro do you start to reflect a little bit on your, on your career and I guess has it become more tactical now to, to max work towards the big nights like say Vegas the big paydays and, and see a culmination of, of the work you put in yeah definitely I mean when you're younger you you get away with more things. You can have your late nights and your early mornings doing the training, and yeah. the overtraining don't seem to affect you as more. But you, you get to thirty, and <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I might be talking to myself, but you notice the extra little aches and pains, and it's it's harder to get up on these cold mornings. But I think it's more about quality of work now than quantity. And Tony's a, a, good, a good trainer, and he knows when to let you go and when to pull you back in a bit. And even Dan Lawrence, they both know. I've got to know. They both got to know me now to when I need to push on a bit more and when I need to slow it down. So it's, it's a real good balance. Yeah, you talked mentioned earlier about weight and keeping weight and stuff like that, but obviously a big thing for you was, I suppose it was 2017, wasn't it? You went up to super middleweight. Yeah. So that's a few, half a stone. What significant difference did that make to you straight away? Oh, massive difference. I mean, the, for me, the last, I could get, I could make it down to 11.10 pretty comfortably for when I was making middleweight. But beyond that, it just wasn't there to lose. And yeah. it was just... It, I, I'm not. I, I could never sit in a sauna if I was fully hydrated, let alone dehydrated. So yeah. it was never that what I do. I'd always try and skip it off or have a run, and there was just not that. That's tight, but that's fatiguing as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's take, taking energy out and stuff out of my body at the last minute before a fight when I should just be recovering and recouping. So now at super middleweight, I've got an extra eight pounds to play with. I think I've always come in around a pound under, so it shows up and make it a lot more comfortable. It's not easy by any chance. Yeah. But um, what, what, what would just yeah? What would your walking around not say walking around weight, not like a, a person in the street, but just training regularly and keeping in shape? What would your sort of weight be? Well, we we aim never to go a stone over, so just well, while we're ticking over, we stay around thirteen stone. Yeah. Then if you get a date, you just it's it's not too much to take off. It's not too much of a challenge. Over a twelve week camp, you you could do it gradually, like a, a pound a week, and yeah. that's an ideal situation. It's a brilliant debate, though, isn't it? Because you look at other sports people, and they never, I guess, be attempting to lose weight building up to a a, a contest or a race or a, a match or whatever it might be. They'd probably be carbo loading in the build up, trying to get yeah. extra energy. So it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Getting that weight right, almost maybe you know the idea of boiling down. Do you think people are moving past that a little bit in boxing? Maybe thinking you know, getting closer to a natural weight. Yeah, I think a lot are, and I think now with boxing, it's a lot more free for people to go up through the weights. I think where there's more divisions, it's, it's a lot easier. And there's not such a gap. I mean, the one, with the biggest gap in it is the cruiserweight division when you go from twelve seven of the light heavyweight. Huge, to, isn't it? There's a lot of people stuck in the middle. Four, of, yeah, middle it's, of that, I think. it's a shame for them people stuck in the middle because you look at look, look at the lights for certain fighters like your your Isaac Chamberlain's. They're not massive cruiserweights. Yeah, they're, they they can't do light heavyweight, but they're not. I think Enzo Macanelli was a little bit like that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. And I think it shows with the power of the fighters. Do you know what I mean, these are heavyweights coming down to cruiserweight, and it's yeah, it's a bit unfair at times. Well, yeah, I suppose yeah, you, you fight yeah, you fight someone like Lawrence Coley, who's tall intents and purpose with a heavyweight. By the time he goes into yeah, the ring, of course, so, exactly. Yeah. And it's um, lots of David Hay. He he was a a, a fully fledged heavyweight. Do you know what I mean? And he's um, he was getting down to cruiserweight, but. Yeah, it shows that he's won titles at cruiserweight, then gone up and won titles at heavyweight, and I'm sure the likes of Usyk will do the same. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. He's gonna. It's gonna be fascinating to see Alexander Usyk, isn't it? That that heavyweight limit once I guess the the pressure's off of making weight once you get to heavyweight as well. And it seems interesting where people land because sometimes they blow up and then come back down closer to cruiserweight once they yeah, maybe carry yeah. that weight a little bit. Yeah. How do you what do you make of boxing generally? Because you're waiting here for a fight to be made got the comparison now you know I'm not a huge aficionado of it by any stage but mixed martial arts is a lot more kind of structured in terms of fights being made by governing bodies rather than yeah. promoters doing deals and I think was it was it the famous Don King said it's not what you're worth it's what you can negotiate and all that stuff is it is it just a weird business to try and get your head around and explain to people yeah it's it's hard it's um it is it's a bit like that. it's not it's not what you know it's who you know and it's yeah people don't always get well I think Don King says it's not what you, you don't get, deserve, you don't get what it? you yeah. deserve. You get what you negotiate. That's it. So, uh, no, I think I feel like I've always been treated fairly. Um, you can't get too hung up in this sport because it's, it's not nothing personal. It's just business at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and everyone wants to get paid, and everyone wants to get their pockets full. But 
yeah, it's just it's a shame. There's a lot of people at it, and there's a lot of people that don't get the opportunity. So, I'm fortunate enough to fight on good platforms, Sky Sports. I've fought on ITV. Yeah, they're, these are good platforms, and and people can't dream of fighting on these platforms. They're fighting on small hall shows. If they're lucky, they're getting a bit of exposure on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but do you know what? It's, it's, even that is a good platform. It's uh, it's free to pay as long as you've got internet. It's, yeah. Well, Champions League final football yeah. is on there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like these these streaming sites are taking over, but just these kids that, that need exposure and it's tough. It's real tough. Yeah. No, I bet it. I bet it is. Do you think it would be better if there was a sort of like someone making fixtures, a, a body? Obviously, the problem is you've got different governing bodies in boxing. But if there was some they come together and, and detail fixtures so it, so it was kind of just laid out for you in a, in a sense because it's almost like you say some people could Tony Bellew's story is fascinating isn't he toiled at light heavyweight for so long and then yeah. made all this money with the popularity of fighting David Hay and obviously the, he ended yeah. up with the world title shot at Goodison Park off the back of making a, a Rocky movie yeah, so exactly. it just seemed like it's sometimes, yeah, yeah. it's sometimes more promotional than it is yeah. actually necessarily what you do in the ring after he, he had that great career at light heavyweight without maybe the recognition yeah I mean um, it, it is it's tough, but I mean, he he he's made a lot of money away from boxing and in the movies. But it would just be nice for these these younger fighters coming through to know that they've got four fights this year. Yeah, and they're gonna make X amount because they can make alternative plans. I mean, if you if you're hanging on for another payday, you might you might only make eight thousand pound in your your first year. Say if yeah. you earn two grand a fight, if you're lucky. Yeah, and you've got to pay out your trainer and your manager, and then. That's not enough to live on. They, no. they need to go and find alternative ways to make money. Because you have to put pay for, pay for gym fees and, and trainer fees yeah, and everything else. Gym fees, trainer fees. I mean, you're, you're a boxer, you've got to make weight, so you've got to eat good, you've got to get the best of food and the best in nutrition. And if you've got to pay your strength and conditioner, yeah. your nutritionist, it, it all adds up. So a lot of these young pros, they're, they're working nine to five on building sites and they're putting the hours in before and after to, to just get by. So it's, it is a tough sport and... It needs to be a lot more. Kids need to get kept busier. Yeah, and it almost there's a lot of pressure to be. It's almost a popularity contest at the start, isn't it? How many tickets you sell? And they, you often find really skilled fighters almost become journeymen just to tick over and make a wage. If they can't sell big tickets, they could become a, a B side or a way fighter. Yeah, I feel like luckily now with the likes of Sky Sports and the, the big networks, the pressure's off to, to sell tickets. I mean, yeah. these shows sell their sales with the advertising, but. On these small shows, it there is a big incentive to sell tickets, and the more you sell, the more you get on. So, the more fights you'll get in the year, and it's, it's a shame. Certain areas, I mean, you look at certain fighters like Sam McNess, that they've got a big following from West Ham, and yeah. the fans really get behind him. So he does. He sell he sells a good amount of tickets, but other fighters who are very talented just don't get the opportunities. What have you thought about that? Because there's ways of aligning yourself with football club. Are you an Arsenal fan? Is that I'm an Arsenal fan. Arsenal yeah. fan. Have you ever thought of trying to tag yourself? You've been up to obviously the I've seen you at the Emirates and stuff before fights. Yeah, no, I was lucky enough last before the last fight. I got invited to the um, the director's box. Got to go on the pitch at half time. Yeah. So that was nice. But even that, I mean, I know they can't get behind everyone, but it, it does make a big difference. And just to get my mention in the program, I say it could really push their careers on. Yeah. Is that, is would a dream for you to be, to fight at the Emirates? In the, Cause you've, you've been at Wembley, haven't you? Is that right? You thought, no, I've not no, 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 I haven't been I was, at Wembley. Um, spectating at Wembley, oh, Kevin okay. Mitchell box. I got in the room with him. Yeah. I mean, that, that was great. So yeah, I mean, to box at a stadium, I've been lucky enough to fight, fight at a hole. On the, uh, Luke Campbell. <laughs> KC. I mean, yeah, the KC stadium. That was, that was nice. It was uh, an experience, but yeah, to box at one of the big stadiums, ask uh, the Emirates, or Wembley would, would be great. It's funny because we, we get on as well because we've got similar stories. We've got little girls of the same age and, and things like that. How How's it like being a boxer and, you know, being a father as well with, with some of the uncertainty? It must be a challenge and when you've when you've got that kind of future. Because you were, I mean, I felt, I kind of felt that massive pressure suddenly of having someone else to, to look out for as soon as you become a dad. Yeah, no, it was. It was a big pressure and I, I feel at, at the start I felt it more and especially what with making weight at middleweight at, at the time and then, Having to worry about where keeping food and nappies on her and <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, it all, all adds yeah. up, don't it? And I think as she got older and I moved up in weight and I got a little job to help me out in between fights and it just really took the pressure off. I, I realised that boxing is not the be all and end all. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's something I love, but I've also got a daughter who I love a lot more. And yeah. I will always find work. Boxing is not the only way for me to live. 
So that took a lot of pressure off, but and it enabled me. I'm lucky enough to have good sponsors that it's enabled me to just live out my dream and carry on boxing, but know that I've got a sideline there if I need it. What do you do as a sideline? I don't know too much about it. Just do a bit of security. Oh, okay. At one of my sponsors' clubs, but it's, <laughs> probably... it's, a, it's a night out as well for me. Yeah. It's socialising, it's, it's, a, it's a laugh. I don't do it. I'll, I'll stop before a fight six weeks out and yeah. really get focus on my, my early nights. But I, only, I do one night a week and it, um, it ties me over. It, it keeps yeah. food on the table. Yeah, you don't want to mess with a, a boxing contender as a, as, a, as a bouncer or security, definitely. What about... Um, the the kind of I suppose the future would beyond boxing when you when you look at it because obviously you talked about the training and the conditioning I suppose Spencer Oliver and people like that go into yeah. personal training afterwards is that something that would appeal because it seems like you've had a a lifetime of training in that in a sense well I was, I was hoping that we've got a lot in common Ed that you could hook me up with a job at Sky maybe <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we could we, be your number two at, on the desk of Sky Sports News right but, you um, could definitely well you give it a shout definitely no I mean there's there's lots of things I've I've Growing up, there was three things I wanted to be. I wanted to be a, a boxer, a fireman, or a bodyguard. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I've done... I've dabbled, <laughs> three pretty dangerous. I've, I've, dabbled, I've dabbled in <laughs> two. Yeah. Maybe I'll go into firefighting after. But, yeah, I think a natural thing for me to do would be going into training, personal training. My partner is a is a personal trainer qualified, so maybe I won't go into that because she, she'll always know more than I do. So, uh, <laughs> well, does she not train you at all, give you tips? No, nah, she she does. She knows a, knows a fair, fair bit, yeah. But, yeah. Um, I tell her... I've got Dan Lawrence. He's he's the man. <laughs> it's always tough getting advice from you. That's wife, it. Your but I, I mean, I took her to meet Dan, and they was just yeah chewing each other's heads off. They 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 loved the like. But that's good though because she'll be happier with the diet and you know sympathise more if you're eating healthy and stuff like that. She can't can't yeah, complain too it. much. Yeah, she she only moans that she's got to cook three different meals now. And <laughs> me and I'm having my, my my meal. She's having her meal, and the baby's having her meal. But yeah, yeah. it's just one of them things. Yeah, no, I know. My daughter just loves sausage and mash most most days. I think so it seems to be her favourite. Um, yeah, when you look at uh, when you look at the lessons, it's so crazy in a way that you said there's three professions you wanted to be: boxer, um, you know, bodyguard, and potentially a fire a firefighter. They're all things that kind of require courage. Is that one of the biggest lessons that you felt that you wanted to prove yourself in that boxing? Because that for me is the one thing that's inspirational about it is that every time they go into the ring, whoever they are at whatever level, you have to demonstrate that courage because when the you know the call comes to go from the dressing room up to the, the ring, there is that fight or flight moment, isn't there? Oh massively yeah. and there's more so in the amateurs that I'd be in the corner I'd think, what am I doing this <laughs> There is so many easier ways and you're not even earning as an amateur, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. It's just purely from the love, and you think, what am I doing here? <laughs> this geezer's going to try and take my head off. And the first bell goes, the first punch lands, and the adrenaline starts to go, and you think... Stop thinking, do you? Is that the yeah, key? You stop thinking think, when you're in the yeah, contest. Yeah. Just don't overthink. And I think, don't overthink before, but stay switched on, stay focused, and then do your thinking in the ring. The weird thing is as well, because you all have bad days at work where you just wake up and don't feel great. I mean, Luke Campbell talked about that, I think, after his first defeat in, in 2015 to Mendy. He said, just felt bad on the day. I was, shouldn't have gone in their ring. I just you know, had a bug, subclinical virus or whatever it was and just yeah. didn't feel up for it. But it felt, you know, what you built up for five, six months Ooh, for, yeah. for one night. Yeah. So there's that element of pressure, isn't there, that perhaps you, you just don't feel like it on the, on the night. It's, you know, things, the stars don't align. That's it. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're playing for Arsenal, for instance, and you don't feel great, all right, you get the ball past it. Yeah. Load on it for too, too long. People can cover you. Yeah, they, yeah someone might have your back and you can get set, taken off at half time. But if you're a fighter and you, and you get in, then you're not 100%, then you're really on your own. I yeah. Mean, it's one of them things, it's just a hard thing to do. If, if you don't feel great on a day and you, and you tell the parent they're going to pull you off, they might not be quick to put you on again. And it's just, it's one of them things. Do you go in at 80% and try and get through, or do you just say, do you have that in you to go, no, I'm not doing it today? Well, it's that, it's that might, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that a lot of us not wouldn't be elite athletes if we trained every day like like yourself. Obviously, there's a natural aptitude for that. But that's, I guess, more obtainable than the mindset of going into a, a contest and a, and a combat. How much do you do on that, like visualising and, and psychology work? Is that a big part of being a boxer? Well, we study a lot of the, like particular opponents, study a lot of the, the, the tapes of them. Mm. I'll watch them with Tony. Tony will watch them on his own. I'll watch them on my own. And we, we'll both put our heads together and talk about things we've seen what they do habits and how we can capitalise on it but yeah it's a lot not so much getting into their head but just getting things clear in your head and yeah. making making things second nature Tony's Tony's great at picking the bones out of a fighter and really really 
attention to detail with things he does. So next time he takes you on the pads, he'll, he'll work on things that they do and how to nullify it. And as you, as you progress through your career, I suppose it's like, it's like life, isn't it? Because you sort of wonder, do you, do you hone down on your strengths or do you work on your weaknesses? When, and especially when you go look at an opponent, do you think, you know, am I worried about his skills and am I kind of focus on, on my strengths? How do you approach that? Do you sort of accept yourself after a while and what you're good at and maybe not what you're so good at? Yeah, no, I think a good trainer will never let you rest on your laurels and always push you to progress. And yeah. Tony does, I mean, every day it'll be something, right, work on this, work on that. Work, work on your footwork. My footwork's good. Well, don't <laughs> care. Work on it. Do you know what I mean it can always be better? And um, it'll be funny. He'll, he'll compliment you on something one day, and then the next day he'll make you work on it. Again. <laughs> it's like you can see why he's he's a he's a great man in the sense of he 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 can knows when to build you up, but he knows when to knock you down again and yeah, get you like really biting. Keep your ego get, in check. Get the fire burning. Yeah, that's it. That's really interesting. When you look back at your career, because obviously. Had a couple of setbacks at middleweight. You lost to Billy Joe Saunders and then Nick Blackwell um, and then Jack, Jack Armfield as well, didn't you? Before the split decision, lost to Rocky Fielding, which people yeah. thought were, were, were debatable. Did you learn from those, those, those events? And what, you know, when you look back, did you, were you able to build on, build on them after the initial disappointment? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Billy Joe Saunders fight was extremely close. When the Nick Blackwell fight came around, I was, I'd previously just flown back from... Texas, Ricky Burns had fought Omar Figueroa out there. Oh, yeah. And just a few little things. The, the jet lag was kicking in. There was three weeks to go. And mm. I was just... So I was a short notice, tired. was it? No, the, the fight was just planned. Just preparation, yeah. The preparation just was a bit disruptive with going to Texas for three weeks. Then coming back three weeks. You were out. training out there, were you? Yeah, we were yeah. training out there, yeah. yeah. Which, the, the experience was great, but the whole travelling back and the time difference and... Just trying to get your body back into the routine. It's huge, it's hard, massive, yeah, well, massively. Yeah. And going was all right, but coming back seemed to really affect me. So the first week was a bit up and down with running, training. It was like you're getting cramps in the mm. while you're training, and it just just wasn't ideal. And then fight would come running, I was just just struggling to get a last bit of weight off, and I, I started to feel like is this is this me struggling that middleweight and. Yeah, I think it was that. That was the because I suppose it's the thing, isn't it? You you know, kids as well. We sort of get fixed in routines, and like the reason I spoke to Dan Lawrence off the back of you was just trying to mix up. You know, you start doing gym routines. You've done them for like ten years, and you realise you're yeah. doing the same thing. And it's it's interesting like that. We get stuck in in routines. And we think oh, I'm a middleweight, but actually, watch your little girl, and they, they develop every day, and suddenly they say something different yeah. or do something different. You think we yeah. we probably have to what listen to our bodies, as you say, because as you get older, like I say, I weigh myself and think, oh, my trousers are the same size, should be the same weight, but suddenly you weigh more, and you quite you don't know where it is, but you just get bigger as you as you get older, don't you? I think that's it. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think at the time I was twenty seven. Even then, your your body's your metabolism's slowing down. You're not burning what you. You're such a broad, but you're a broad guy, aren't you? Naturally. Yeah, I'm naturally big. I'm not not blessed with like the the Carl Froch tall Polish <laughs> jeans. I've got the. Um, you got the ripped. The little short fat Irish jeans in me, but um, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Pretty strong though. That's the thing. It's stocky. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? it's strong and stocky, but not good for weight demands. But yeah, I think I potentially could have moved up after the Blackwell fight, but I didn't. Yeah. I, and it might have been too soon, you never know. But um, the Arnfield fight was just a nightmare. I mean, I, really? had, I had a long time out of the ring. I'd boxed at the beginning of the year, got a bad cut against Sergei Kanitsky. I boxed a six-rounder in, I think, May on the yeah. Ricky Burns undercard. And then they didn't fight again until September. And so if you tried to keep yourself at, at middleweight, was it 11-6? 11-6, yeah. yeah. If you tried to keep all year, that would just kill you, would it? You wouldn't be able oh, to... Yeah. yeah, it'd be like minimal. So, minimal so no one ever does that. That's why they could put up weight and then they come back down. That's it's... it, yeah. But it's just just about not putting too much on. And I noticed at middleweight, I was putting too much on in between. And yeah. It just... I put on the same now I do at super middleweight as I did when I was at middleweight. So it just shows you that... Yeah. And you're still training, aren't you? That's the thing. Yeah, still training hard. And I, I never don't train I always put 100% into every session so yeah. it's not a, a case of training hard it's just the body do you think is it evolved because the weight issue seems to be a big one like Tony Bellew showed as he, as he left light heavyweight do you think that people will be more scientific about analysing maybe body types and things like that because I remember Darren said, Darren Barker I worked with him for, for matching on the international feed and obviously made it as a world champion and he was a stable mate of yours with Tony Sims and he said that it was almost like Tony put you up against him and said oh you're, you're, you're a couple of inches shorter than Darren so you can't be the, you know a heavier weight division yeah, yeah. but maybe it's just as you say that it's just a different type of body and actually it's not necessarily just looking at someone's height and saying what weight they should be in yeah exactly I mean Darren's lucky he's, he's a slim build he's six foot tall 
good looking. He's, <laughs> like, he's got it all, hasn't he? <laughs> he's, been, he's been world champion. Yeah. And then you can he's, got, he's got his own gym now as well. That's it. He's, he's booming, isn't he? <laughs> and you compare me, short and fat, and it's like. It's not fat, it's muscle. <laughs> yeah, mu- yeah. Muscle weight's more L- than fat. A lot more muscular, but uh, yeah, it's just one of the things. It's like. But that brings advantages, right? That you're, what, 5'9", and you come in potentially against super middleweights who are typically six feet, six foot one, something like that. Yeah. That potentially you offer a different, a different problem, don't you? Which, you know, I suppose Canelo proved against Rocky Fielding in a way. And I know he's a high, high, high elite, elite, elite level boxer, but it, there, was a, there was a sort of thing beforehand about actually Rocky's height and reach, but maybe sometimes it becomes an advantage if you come in at a different angle. Yeah, I mean, you look at... Rocky against Canelo and he was off like punching down and surely that was a disadvantage yeah you can get closer now in a way can't you yeah, get inside I mean, Canelo showed a, he closed the, the room down and he took, he took the the, the the reach advantage away from Rocky so it just doesn't matter if, you, if you're good enough and you're, you're strong enough you're fit enough you're well enough you, you'll succeed at whatever weight I believe not, not having an O on your record does that give you confidence and freedom now do you feel because people that, that have that unbeaten massively. record yeah massively I think there's a big pressure to stay I think it's a, it's a Floyd Mayweather era thing that yeah f- 51 and 0 or whatever it is 50 and 0 <laughs> I've lost count probably had an exhibition fight with, yeah. a, with an old man that, in the bar last count? night yeah. <laughs> I don't know but um, everyone wanted to be undefeated because because Mayweather was do you know what I mean but um, Calzade, not how many fighters retire undefeated not many yeah and I mean even the greats Canelo I mean, he, he's still active, but the likes of Canelo and Pacquiao, these are going to be all-time greats. Manuel Marquez, they're all great fighters, but they've, they've all got blemishes. It's difficult to deal with the diversity if you, if you had an unblemished and a pretty smooth ride, I suppose, when it comes to the crunch moment, a defining fight or something like that. Of course, yeah. The thing is, that comes with it, you, you can retire undefeated and people will still criticise it. Oh, he didn't fight anyone. Well, you look at Mayweather, he's fought everyone there is to, is to fight. Calzaghi fought everyone there is to fight. Billy Joe's undefeated. He's fought great fighters. I mean, yeah, it's just one of the things you, you just can't. If you lose, you get criticised. If you retire undefeated, there'll be some kind of criticism against you. How do you deal with um, with situations in life when you've you've got your partner who's a personal trainer? But we've seen you see what happened to Nick Blackwell, obviously a former opponent of yours um, in the fight. Chris went junior, and then subsequently after sparring, we've seen. You know, tragically, wish all the best to Adonis Stevenson, Superman, who's won a long time as a world champion and, and ended up in a coma in that fight. Do, how do you deal with that with your partner? Is it, you know, do, does she urge you to retire? Is she, does she worry about that kind of stuff? No, I mean, um, she's very supportive. And I'm going to put you off this wall. <laughs> no, no, there's, um, there's been times when things weren't going away, and it's just, I think it's a bit of frustration. She just wants to see me do well and she knows how much I put into it and yeah. all the time I have to spend away from home and whatnot. so she just wants what's best for me and she knows that I love the sport and that I've got good enough people around me to tell me when to call it a day and when the time's up but um, I believe that I'm still young and fresh enough to go on for another few years as long as I'm winning and not getting hurt and getting not getting nuts around too much then I'll continue but the moment the time comes when I'm, I'm getting beat and yeah, Get, getting hurt and it's yeah, because you've never really been. You've been defeats that have been, you've just failed to sort of fire in those fights rather than than kind of getting a, yeah. a beating or anything, haven't you? No, the, the Nick Blackwell fight was one of them. I, I was I was drained at the weight and I was winning well. I was six rounds up and just yeah. got caught with a shot. At the time of the stoppage, I felt that I was good to carry on. If had ten seconds, but the dehydration that, can affect your exactly, vulnerability. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it got to me, but it's a great experience. I feel that that's that's stood me in good stead now moving forward so you've got to take everything that happens as a um, yeah. as a lesson really yeah when you think about boxing and going down that route you've got a daughter now and I suppose 10 years ago this wouldn't even have been a conversation but women's boxing is is prominent and growing and the interest and the money seemingly and it would you recommend and if you have a son down the line would you recommend boxing to them how would you how would you approach it because I know Johnny Nelson said to me he'd never want his daughters to box he's got I think three four daughters something like that yeah it's hard to think of your daughter boxing but you look at like the likes of Katie Taylor she she is great to watch she throws shots textbook like, yeah she puts them together really well and like if you was explain to someone how to throw a shot you, well, she shows you would show her the Katie pure Taylor sport, yeah. technical technical exactly, mastery yeah. of, of it's skills not, it's not just all brutal it's it's a, um, a martial arts to an extent that everything is done with purpose and she shows that but um, yeah 
Yeah, I don't know, letting a, a daughter box. I remember being at a, a dinner show with Darren once and there was two women fighting. And I said to him, would you let your girl box? And he said, no way. Yeah. And I was, I was just... But a lot of people same. wouldn't let their sons box either, will they? And they, they sort of worry about that. And were you, were you talking about that brilliant podcast, not, not to put people away from this one, but Joe Rogan and Mike Tyson recently. And, and Tyson saying that, you know, his son has had all the privileges in life and gone to a private school and told him at 15 he wanted to be a boxer. And he said, well, look... You know, you wouldn't. What, what would happen if you came up against someone like me, who's been deprived from yeah. Brooklyn, taking drugs since the, the kid, been hypnotised into being a, a savage killer? You know, you've got, you haven't got that background, and if you've afforded a nice lifestyle, maybe, and it's a different, it's a different equation, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's um, it, it's it's a good point. I mean, I I I, I like that point he made, and I disagreed with. Not everyone's got about that a, anger, a, a, that anger, and that bad of not bringing. I mean, there's there's a lot of fighters out there who have come from a, a two-parent family, they've been brought up in a house, but they've got the desire yeah. and the hunger to go on and, and do good things. It's more of a DNA thing, that they're yeah, thing, yeah. And they're competitive, they want to win, they've got the will to win. It might be, they might be over-competitive because they've got brothers and sisters, but they've got a good family around them, and I suppose they deserve the credit because they've not had to fight. They, it might be more balanced as well, themselves. the way yeah. they approach it, like someone like Anthony Joshua as a comparison in the heavyweight yeah, race, of course. I suppose. I mean, he's grown up, he's got his mum there, his sisters, and it's like, He's gone on, he, and he's took himself to boxing. He wants to do it, and he's gone on to be a, an Olympic gold and world heavyweight champion. So what do you think, that, what are the best things that you've learned from boxing? And people say discipline, courage. What are the, the things that it's, it's given you, I suppose, and that, that competitiveness? Do you know what? I feel like I've just been very lucky and fortunate with boxing. I've met great people. I've met friends for life, and I've got to travel the world with it. I've been to places I never thought I'd go, met yeah. people I never thought I'd meet, and it's just lucky you you can talk to fighters who are world champions and they treat you like they've known you all their life and it's just a mutual respect of everyone you meet in boxing it's, there is there's a lot of egos but when you chat to people the egos seem to go out a window and everyone's on the same page and everyone's on the same yeah. mission well, it's always strange that people have that sort of animosity before fights because you think if anyone gets another boxer you see it after the fight you have that empathy for each other don't you because you understand more more than anyone else what what the, what the life's like of course yeah I mean if, if you want to have your, your war of words beforehand then so be it but I believe that after every fight you should shake hands embrace I mean it's, yeah you, you share a bond both healthy and yeah, finish as long as you're yeah. both healthy and happy and you go back to your families then so be it and as long as you've both been paid for it it's, yeah why not how do you uh, how do you deal with judgment on social media? Because we were joking on sort of met you outside. I was talking about the Rocky Fielding meme, which still makes me laugh. You know, after he lost to Canelo in the third round, it was people. There's a, a meme of a, an overweight guy, I think, with a vest and his belly hanging out on a couch with a can of beer, saying, "Oh, Rocky, you're terrible. You've let us down. If it was me, I would have boxed and moved and taken yeah. Canelo deep into the the later rounds." But there's a lot of armchair warriors. Do you do you feel kind of sorry for those people because you sense that people who are happy aren't sitting at home you know saying John Ryder's rubbish I can't believe he lost to Nick Blackwell or, yeah. or whatever it, it's just a shame I mean if you've not got nothing better to do really is you, yeah. is you what I you just you give yourself as a sad lonely, you give the impression that you're a sad lonely person <laughs> um, I'm sure they're not but it just gives everyone a voice social media doesn't it and it's um, it's a shame because someone's going to be at the brunt of it taking, taking the stick. But I suppose if, if they don't know what they're talking about, not necessarily as a boxing person, if they know the history, but more, they don't know, like you said, you flew out to Texas, you struggled with jet lag, all that kind of yeah. stuff, which are real things. And it's recently, you know, that people took the football thing. You know, people have complained about Alvaro Morata at Chelsea, but his best friend died midway through last season when he made the great start yeah. and then he dried up at goals. And you think, when you think about it, my best friend died when I was in my twenties, and actually, I was a mess for six months or whatever. And you think, in retrospect, it's understandable when things happen to people. We don't necessarily know the the full story. Maybe that you know, I think when things come out, that maybe we should just be a bit more circumspect, keep our powder dry. Yeah, of course. I mean, I had a, a very close friend die when I was fifteen. Yeah, and I mean, I know sixteen. So, and I mean, it was one then when it, it, it could you can take either, either route. And luckily, I had boxing to yeah keep my head and stick to that and really put my put my focus into that and it's tough I mean people will criticise and like lots and right oh he's playing he's on um, however much money he should be playing <laughs> well no emotion takes yeah, over, head's all over the place yeah your head's it gone matter, people don't understand that your, your daughter might not have been well the night before she might have been sick you're worried yeah. about her she's your partner's moaned at you because you ain't flush the toilet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you've got, you got problems like people don't know they just they'd like to assume and it's like I say even the likes of Mayweather retiring undefeated Kawasaki these these armchair 
the keyboard warriors that um they'll criticize him for retiring undefeated oh he didn't fight yeah. this person you should have fought him in his prime <laughs> and that. you just can't win with him yeah yeah there's always there's always a qualifying thing of like oh he is undefeated but he fought xyz and he wasn't he was past it and a prime this person would have beaten him and this you know it's kind of it's interesting that how they how they do it they are the fans and they pay the money but it's it's interesting because i think maybe it stops people in their own lives of, of achieving things if they're constantly you know just sitting around criticizing other people That's it. I mean, you look at lots of they say about Maverick, he fought Pacquiao too late and he fought Canelo too early. Well, <laughs> yeah. when was he meant to fight Canelo? Was he yeah. meant to wait till he was ready? But, I mean? but that's also part of it, is the, is the strategy of picking opponents, isn't it? Because you're saying that in a, in a landscape where there isn't someone bringing out a fixture list and saying, John Ryder's going to fight David Lemieux, it's all negotiation. You have to be quite tactical. Darren Barker talks openly about it, doesn't he? won the world title against Daniel Gill, but he says, you know, if he'd come up against Golovkin, he probably wouldn't have won a world title. He says that you had to pick your, yeah. you do have to pick your route because the titles are fragmented, it gives you an opportunity. And, and what, because most people aren't boxing aficionados, the difference on your CV of having a title versus not having a world title is a huge, yeah. huge thing going forward. Oh, massively, yeah. I mean, and it's just a wall, all about being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I mean, it, it fell for him to... He fought Martinez years prior to that and he was he was doing well. He was, yeah, I believe he was winning up until the point. But then he got caught with one shot and it just it turned it on his head. Then he went back to the drawing board, won the European title again and, and got his world title shot. And come up against Daniel Gill, who was a, a good opponent. Yeah. Who'd, I think he'd had a, had a draw. No, he beat Felix Stern, didn't he, in Germany? Yeah. Um... Darren went and beat him in in Atlantic City, then ended up eventually losing to Stern. But I mean, his hip, shows hip, you hip that, had gone by that time, yeah. Yeah, his, his hip was bad, but A might beat B and C can beat B, but A can't beat C. Do you know what yeah. I mean? it's just, <laughs> just might, permutations, you never I know. I confused myself there, so yeah. But do you do, but you look at yeah. do you look at that? I mean, when when the phone goes, do you just say just yes straight away? There's a big opportunity, or do you do you look at the the matchup? No, well, I mean, I think every fight in itself, they'll they'll never shy away from a fight that's why we've got managers and yeah. and promoters to advise us that <laughs> this is a good opportunity but no like, yeah. or this is a good opportunity take it I mean that's a tough conversation for them to have with you isn't it because you want them to have 100% belief in you but I suppose unless you are like a young Mike Tyson or, or Anthony Joshua coming up there's going to be opponents that maybe aren't the right match yeah of course and I think us as, but we, we need to save them from ourselves at times because we had that game and we say we'll fight anyone and it's like the warrior code to, to yeah. fight them. But yeah, you do. You need saving from yourself and just saying that this is not the right move for you at the time. How, how, this how is you, how it needs to go. How do you think your body will be after you retire as you, as you feel now? Because Darren's obviously had the hip problems. You watch see rugby players. I remember seeing Lawrence Delalio, former England star at Q, Q Station in London. He was dragging his leg behind him. <laughs> and it's just all these injuries. You hear about all the sort of, not so much concussions, but even just the body, knee operations, shoulder operations that a lot of athletes have, footballers, rugby players, boxers. Do you think you're, you're leaving in good nick? Because sometimes being, it seems like being a professional sports person and the extremes you have to go to aren't necessarily good for the, the body. Yeah, I mean, the likes of Darren's injury, I think it was something he was born with. So... I mean, if, like if a ball he and socket in there. Yeah, yeah. like a, a dodgy hip joint. But if he hadn't been a an elite level sportsman, he, he would never have known that he no. had that injury, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I mean, we look after our body as much as we can. We we warm up, we cool down, we get our massages, we get our treatments. You see, everyone's in a minus 148 Cairo <laughs> chamber trying to, <laughs> trying to recover. And there's, there's a lot more elements in the, in the food now. Everyone's better with yeah. their diet and their recovery so yeah because when Muhammad Ali came back it was like he was really old when he won the world title wasn't it but he was in his early yeah. 30s and you think it's now it's he'd be considered like people like Manny Pacquiao 40 Mayweather in the 40s it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of standards go a lot longer exactly I mean Bernard Hopkins was I think he was 42 wasn't he when yeah. he, was, he still had the world title and I think if you if you live the right life you can go on for as long as you want really do you think what time do you know if you've spoken to Xboxers about when the time is right to call it quits because it's a serious game isn't it you don't want to you don't want to go too long uh, to be fair, I think probably ninety percent of boxers probably go on longer than they should have. Yeah. And it's, um, I think you have to listen to your your managers, your trainers. As long as you've got a good trainer, a good manager around you, then they'll tell you when they think it's up, and then you, you got your family around you. And I think 
if you're not too stubborn and, and you listen to people, you, you can retire at the right time. You, but if, you, if you've got that stubborn head on you, then you'll go on, you'll go on too <laughs> Just, long. A quick one that interests me is always like the long running in boxing. On the, you know, it was always a stereotype. You get up at five and you do the rocky run, pound the concrete for miles and miles. Do you think that's good for boxers? Do you do that? Because I know Vladimir Klitschko is all about swimming and stuff for his yeah. aerobic base and maybe moving away from that was a good way to preserve the joints as you get older because actually the running isn't necessarily replicating what you do in the ring anyway. No, no, swimming would be great. I just go, I can't swim. I'm like a, <laughs> I'm like a brick. But um, right. yeah, I mean, a lot of people substitute running with swimming or like, yeah. the attack bikes now. Because that's for the base fitness, isn't it? That it's not. That's the, it. Yeah. And, I mean, I've been doing long runs since I was 15 years old, so the base fitness is always seems to be there with me now. But I might pick it up with like hill sprints and like track work, which is yeah. not so heavy on the joints and it's shorter, but more explosive and it just keep, keeps the body running fluidly and maybe substitute a couple of runs a week for a, a cycle or a session on the attack bike or anything really I mean I've, I've seen a lot about people running in hydro pools now with the yeah resistance yeah, yeah with the water resistance so I mean it's just it's not something that's easily accessible over here but maybe a treadmill is probably yeah. better for your joints than potentially running on concrete anyway or running on grass yeah. maybe better as well yeah potentially I mean it's just it's a lot easier to run on the road than it is to look at a brick yeah. wall in a gym. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true, especially if you're pushing it, pushing yourself as well. Although running through London and Islington, where you are, might be a bit smoggy, but yeah, so, yeah. Full, of, full of traffic lights and yeah. pollution. Yeah, you got to be, uh, you got to be careful with that. One of the things that strikes me quickly as you wrap up, because I'm conscious you want to get back to your, your family, is um, patience is a big one, isn't it, for, for boxers? I think particularly they get to a stage of your career, senior career, when you you're having two, three fights a year, waiting for that that call and just kind of keeping keeping relaxed but but sort of focused at the same time yeah it's hard because it's all right for the likes of Mayweather fighting twice a year because they're earning millions of pounds he was sort of dictating the odds as well wasn't he because he's bringing that check he he knew what he was getting he was maybe making 60 or 70 million a year yeah so there's no financial worries there but mind you boxers can blow that can't they because Holyfield has as well yeah I mean a lot lot of boxers have blown that and a lot more I mean the likes of Tyson yeah but um yeah, it's just nice to know what's in front and how to plan. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of things to plan. I mean, it's hard, especially now with daughter. If you want to plan a holiday, it's got to be within the, the yeah, the, the school holidays and whatnot. Otherwise, you don't want to. Is she is she at school yet? Is she yeah, or? she's at school now. Yeah, she so. yeah. She's, yeah, um, we're going that September, which it does become tricky, doesn't it? Because I work a lot of weekends, and suddenly you think, oh, when am I going to see her now? It's yeah, tricky, yeah, yeah, it's tough. I mean, and there's a lot now. You can only take them out of school at certain times for holidays, and that's when the price is high and yeah that's not when it's you get in trouble now as well don't you because yeah. we're real kids you can get your parents can take <laughs> yeah. you out but i don't think you can no. yeah it's just there uh, he's a near ache for a week but, yeah um, now his doctor's note <laughs> but yeah and the kids are probably grush up when they go back in there they, they was on yeah on exactly the beach yeah. Somewhere for yeah, she's week. very honest my little girl so she probably would tell us yeah oh mine too yeah yeah <laughs> no. yeah good for good for that that's a good um good quality so when, when do you think remind me again when the um off the top of my head the canelo jacobs fight when is that scheduled that's scheduled for may 4th Okay, so that's perfect so, timing for for now because this is sort of end well mid January. Yeah, ideal time for me really. It'd give me a good good twelve week camp just to really knuckle down and, and get things going. But I mean, any anything around that date would be would be great. I mean, I'm hopeful. Yeah, touching wood for, <laughs> for that fight and that event. And how, how would you prepare for that too. if you think you're going to Vegas just off the top of your head? Would you, obviously, I don't know if you're talking to Tony about it, would you go out early, talk to that jet lag before and, and get acclimatised? Or is, there's two ways, isn't there? You either parachute yourself in or you, or you go out in advance. Yeah, no, I think Tony's one for going out in advance, probably do two weeks before. Yeah. I mean, maybe go to LA or something like that for two weeks. For the, what, the wildcard gym? Or, maybe the wildcard gym or yeah. Garcia's gym. Maybe have a week there, then get down to Vegas on the fight week. But, I mean, it's all, it's all <laughs> a big if and... But you mentioned those names, they're becoming more familiar, aren't they, the wildcard? To even, like, you know, I love boxing, but general sports fans, you just think, do you feel that boxing is a good time to be a boxer at the moment? There's a, there's a real interest in society. Maybe we're looking for heroes or something or, you know, something to take us away from politics and the rest of it. It seems that the sport's buzzing. Yeah, no, it is. And I think now there's more characters in boxing than there ever has been. I mean, you've got a lot of big personalities. Yeah. Um, I think the likes of Matchroom and AJ have really brought this sport up to, up to scratch. I mean, he's um, an Olympic gold medal, and he's just—he's an icon, really. He's a superstar, and yeah. I mean, when boxing was kind of frowned upon and seen as 
aggressive, violent thugs. They're now looked at as gentlemen and it's a gentleman's sport. So it's a good thing. And a lot more exposure, social media, and it's really giving boxing a big voice and a big platform. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? So when you think socially as well, because it's a meritocracy in boxing, you, the best people rise to the top, whereas in society you don't always see that. And I suppose you see people like Anthony Joshua from Nigerian heritage, and you, you see people like Joshua Boazzi from yeah. Ghana now making his way. And, you know, he went to University of St. Mary's down the road from here, actually, in, in Twickenham. And, you know, they are a, a sort of vision. It can be a vision for, for modern Britain and how, how the kind of people just get along and, and can have successful careers. It's a, it's a fairer, fairer world in a way, as much as we said it was complicated with ticket sales and stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, they both have had great amateur pedigrees, what we've gone to the Olympics. So they've, they've had massive platforms to, to really get their names out there. So it's just great. The likes of the, the amateur boxing, the Olympics being on BBC, yeah. everyone gets to see that. And that, that really does give them a massive platform to, to build their career on. Just on that world title stuff, because it fascinates me. What do you, what do you make of it? Because it, the wranglings of of who said what and who's who's worth what. Do you think that? Would you, do you want just Joshua and to fight Wilder or Fury this this year? I mean, it's very hard to advise him to. T- obviously, he's going to be well set financially. He seems like a a savvy guy who's made a lot of money. You, is it about an ego thing as a boxer that he won't take you know the share that he, th- he doesn't think he's worth or however it plays out? Yeah, it's really hard. Isn't it? I mean, everyone, everyone has got their price in the head and I suppose if you've got your price take a bit off because yeah. that's, that's what the product's going to do at the end of the day they're, they're going to they're going to try and give you as least they can and save a bit for themselves so uh, <laughs> at the end of the day what they don't pay you is, is still in the pot for them so how would you see those heavyweight fights going though if, if say the rematch with Wilder Fury happens and then potentially say both for Anthony Joshua down the line who would you see who would you see winning those matches it's, it's a real hard one it's one of them ones like you say like if you've got A, B and C there, they could all beat each other on their yeah. days and it's just yeah. uh, it's a hard I think hard any of them could win on any night couldn't they against each other in a way in a sense yeah. you think because if Fury evaded everyone could win on points against either of the two men again but then Wilder and Joshua have that physicality and, and sort of finishing power to, to, to end any of them as well yeah I mean AJ and Wilder that's just that's just going to be an absolute Explosion. I mean, yeah. the power of the two of them. But Fury's got the ability to make anyone look useless. He's yeah. got that big style and he's awkward as they come. It's pretty amazing when you're 18 stone and 6 feet 9 to be so evasive, isn't it? It's crazy, yeah. And I think he's he's learned a lot of Vladimir Klitschko. I know he was out there sparring with him years ago with Emmanuel Stewart. And then he's going to beat him. But he done to Klitschko what Klitschko been doing to people for years. Yeah. So he's, he's got a lot of skill and... He, He's a lot more clever defensively. I think he's been boxing the longest out of them as well, hasn't he? Which you can maybe tell that he's he's yeah. got that sort of that background of hours in the gym. Yeah, I think he's he's been boxing from a from a young age, and it's just a, it's a real second nature to him. You look at Deontay Wilder, and everything he does is awkward and looks yeah. like he's forced. And AJ's quite a, a fluid character who puts his shots together well. He's strong. He's he's compact and looks great. But it's just it's a real clash of styles of rhythm. It's just. If we're lucky enough to see them all, then you've, you've got to appreciate it. feels like the rest of boxing can carry on from the, the coattails of that popularity, though, can't they? And that, that storyline, it seems like it sort of affects everything and suddenly the sport's in the, in the front and centre. Yeah, of course. I mean, because if you, you box on any, any one of them undercards, they're, they're, they're events. AJ has turned the book from... He's, he's changed boxing now. He's, his fight weeks are not just small, low-key... Yeah boxing shows that they are events I mean they're a real thing on the social calendar now you know when AJ's next fight is before he's got out of the ring for, from the last one so it, it, he's got to a point now where he is doing the moment thing he's fighting twice a year and he's setting the dates and yeah, they are the dates when he'll fight and people are really planning their year around it and well, that's the problem of, of arguing that he's a big draw. The other guys is that he's booking Wembley and booking, you know, selling eighty thousand tickets against people like Alexander Povetkin, who's a really credible opponent on paper, but you know, a veteran Russian wasn't a big name over here. It shows you that he's he's got that public imagination, that attention, yeah. I guess, which is a big part of boxing. But I suppose for yourself as well, you you almost AJ's done it being authentic, hasn't he? He's not been it being a big brash character per se, or a, a kind of caricature of himself. So that's something you have to think about, isn't it? Is that you want to have your record especially when you've got a kid you don't want to be this different personality when she looks through the internet in years to come that's it yeah you don't, I mean it's hard you, you, you get this ego or this acting you've, you've got to keep it up and I think a lot Cut of tiring, fights, yeah I mean you look at the likes of Adrian Broner and he's acted this character for so long that 
I don't know if he knows where he starts and the character begins. Yeah, now. I think it's just all blended to one. And it's like Al Pacino. Yeah, he's, <laughs> real, he's really hating now, isn't he? He's just um, he gets no credit. And I, I was one of them that thought, Joe, you know what he could turn this round and maybe yeah. cause an upset with Pacquiao, but he's just. I mean, I think he fooled a lot of people with his last fight, but he's just his character's really taken over. Well, sometimes when you feel when you watch documentaries and you think like he's switched off, that you actually realise he's he's got positive aspects to his personality as well but you don't see them because he's he's got this kind of pantomime villain personality which he thinks gives him attention and sells tickets and maybe has actually ended up taking away from his boxing a little bit yeah massively and to to his I, I wouldn't say if it's a good thing but he, he's grown up around Mayweather he's been spending a yeah. lot of time around Mayweather been good friends and I mean maybe you shouldn't try and imitate the likes of him because there's one man to do it and he was the man and as Brown has shown that he's not lived up to the expectations and incredibly professional Mayweather as well though wasn't he you know he's just no, no yeah, alcohol very, very constantly trained done, yeah, yeah. You, you might think he's taking his foot off the gas but he's not he's he's like he says while, while you're sleeping he's working and yeah that, that won't lie he, he was always constantly at it and taking his running shoes to the nightclub and then he'd run home and stuff and, yeah yeah and, <laughs> can't, can't imagine that over here. No. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, not, not, not Piccadilly Circus. It's, it's all right when you've got an entourage of 100 to carry your, your running trainers yeah. and keep in your Rolls Royce and keep that parked up. But. Yeah. Oh, John, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Really appreciate your, your time and wish you best of 2019 ahead. So, the best place to, I guess, to follow you social media for any updates on the, yeah. the fight. Yeah, if you um, get on to me at, on Twitter, it's uh, underscore John, underscore Ryder, underscore. Uh, the same for Instagram. Yeah. Sorry about all the underscores. They was going cheap on <laughs> on, the, on the Twitter names yeah. that day. I know John Ryder's quite a popular name, is it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. But all right. Yeah. <laughs> I like the look of the underscores. I think I'd seen a Kings of Leon album cover and it had a lot of uh, underscores. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's quite good. The Kings of Leon fan are you? I saw them. I think playing. I think playing Hyde Park actually. Yeah. No. I only liked a few songs, but I had the album. I see that on the cover, and I thought, oh, that looks cool. And then yeah, when you come on to like radios or podcasts, and you've got to actually give your Twitter name out, and you think, oh. I don't <laughs> Why did I get the underscores? We didn't mention your alias, the gorilla. You, you, you happy with that alias? It's something you embrace? Yeah, it's one of them things. It's like when you're a kid, you don't really like your name, do you? But as you grow older, you think, it's the name I've been given it. I'll, I'll deal with it. Did you have that nickname as a kid, did you? No, no, just... No. Um, <laughs> Funny enough, I come from Robert McCracken, but um, it's, it's been with me. I've, Carl Froch's trainer. And, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. I've, I've took the stick of it, and now I'm starting to embrace it, so I'm, I'm quite enjoying it. Well, I think it's a compliment, isn't it? The most fearsome animal yeah. out there, apart from, I don't know, tigers, maybe. Yeah, I read the other day that uh, a gorilla is pound for pound stronger than a brown bear. Wow. More more, more <laughs> on his bite as well. So, yeah, I thought, it would be, why not? Let's we'll take it. Yeah, I hope you get David Lemieux, not a brown bear, in your next fight, That's but it. we'll see. Yeah. Well, like I say, we're fighters, we'll fight anyone. Well, John, pleasure, mate, and, and good luck with the, the build up to the fight. Hopefully, it is Lemieux in, in May. Fingers crossed. Thanks, Ed. Thanks a lot. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Lovely.